1969, Neil Armstrong became the first person to step on the moon, breaking a barrier once thought impossible. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Seven years later, he made another impossible journey. But this time, instead of deep space, it was deep down into the Earth, in search of a mythical underground library that contained the knowledge of the ages made with the help of extraterrestrial intelligence. This is the Mysteries of Latin America podcast. Welcome to the Mysteries of Latin America podcast. My name is Andrew Colon, and after our last podcast on the mysteries of the Nazca lines in Peru, we stay in South America and explore into the deep Amazon jungles of Ecuador in search of a mystical treasure whose story hasn't been lost to time. We just seem to have misplaced it. It's the story that weaves the lives of the famous and not so famous, the supernatural, the extraterrestrial and the religious worlds, international intrigue, and what else? A massive cover-up. This is the story of the Cueva de los Tallos, or Tallos Cave in Ecuador, and its priceless metallic library of ancient knowledge left by an advanced and possibly extraterrestrial culture. We begin the story in a vast underground cave system called the Cueva de los Tallos, or Tallos Cave, one of the most fascinating and mysterious natural attractions in the country of Ecuador. Now I'll be bouncing between calling the country Ecuador and the more anglicized Ecuador, so everyone understands me. Well, hopefully. The cave is located on the eastern slopes of the Andes Mountains in the Morona Santiago province of Ecuador close to the border with Peru. Remember that name, Morona. It's important later. Speleologists and cave geologists estimate the age of the cave to be about 200 million years old. Getting to the site wasn't easy when it was first discovered, and it still isn't today. To get to the cave, you'll need at least two days, where you'll drive from the capital of Quito, take a boat down the Santiago River, and then hike to the final location of the cave. When the GPS says you're there, it means you're high up in the Amazon rainforest in a mountain range known as the Condor. To enter the cave, you'll need an official permit issued by the Ecuadorian government, and you'll need to hire members of the local Shuar community to guide you down and around. But once you're inside, you'll be deep in a totally different world, where not even the Shuar people know how to navigate all of the tunnels, passages, branches, and forks inside. And then there are the parts flooded by a good 5 meters or 16 feet of water. Not for the timid or the claustrophobic. I'm out. The cave was already known by the people of the region for ages, but the world got to know this place because of treasure hunter and amateur explorer Juan Morix. Morix was originally from Hungary, but he'd lived for many years in Argentina, acquiring citizenship there. In the mid-1960s, while trekking in the Andes Mountains, he found one of the entrances to the cave. But this cave is no ordinary cave. To give you an idea of the immensity of the Cueva de los Tallos, named for a species of bird that lives there, the largest entrance to the cave is a massive shaft in the ground that's a vertical drop of 70 meters or 200 feet straight down. 
When you rappel down and finally make it to solid ground inside, you have at least five kilometers or about three miles of passages and tunnels in front, above, below, and around you. The largest space in the cave system is a huge cathedral-like room that's 300 feet wide by almost 800 feet long. You're looking at about 90 by 240 meters. So picture a space the length of three football fields wide by eight football fields long, almost as big as St. Peter's Square in the Vatican. Immense. But estimates say the tunnel system could measure as long as 18 kilometers, or about 11 miles, and most of it has not been explored. That alone makes it one of the mysteries of Latin America for me. But wait, there's more. Now back to Juan Morix, or as he was originally named, Janusz Morix Oposix. When Morix dropped into the cave, he reported finding tunnels and structures in the walls that he said must have been made by humans or something else. One of those was a wall with an arch in it that he said was carved at right angles that must have been made by tools and that there was no way it had been made by nature. And then he said he found a vast treasure, a library full of a collection of thousands of silver, gold, and other metal, plates, tablets, books, panels, and much more. The objects had designs and symbols stamped, etched, and embossed into them, which to Morix resembled some sort of an ancient written language. He registered his discovery officially before a notary in July of 1969 to stake his claim to the cave and its contents. Remember, he was a treasure hunter. And then he reported his findings to the El Universo newspaper in Guayaquil, Ecuador. He believed this metallic library contained all of the knowledge of the past and told the story of an ancient lost civilization. Morix thought that some of these designs resembled those of other cultures like the Sumerians and even Babylonians. But how could anything from that part of the world be hidden deep in a cave on this side of the world? If you remember our last podcast about the Nazca Lines in nearby Peru, and if you haven't heard it, I invite you to listen to it as soon as you can, you might remember the name Eric von Daniken and his book Chariots of the Gods, where he said that ancient aliens influenced the cultures of South America. Well, later on in 1972, he wrote another best-selling book called The Gold of the Gods, where he told the story of Juan Morix and the treasure trove of metallic tablets, books, and objects from this lost, advanced, underground culture that had contact with an extraterrestrial civilization. The legendary cave then became a beacon for archaeologists, anthropologists, geologists, and mid-century tinfoil hat-wearing alien enthusiasts. And then Neil Armstrong comes into the story. So that we understand each other, Mr. Armstrong was there on the side of science, as far as you know. Using the language of today, after the Gold of the Gods book was published and became a bestseller, the Cueva de los Tallos and the story of the Metallic Library went viral. And in 1976, this led to one of the most ambitious expeditions of its time, an epic quest organized by the governments of Ecuador and England to investigate the cave system and find the origins of these metallic objects and their unusual inscriptions. 
the leader of the quest was Scottish scientist and engineer Stanley Hall, who had a passion for ancient structures and ancient civilizations. From an early age, he was fascinated by South America, believing the continent to be sort of a missing page from the history of the known world. When he heard the story of Tayo's cave, he put together an unprecedented expedition that included at least a dozen scientific institutions and the Ecuadorian and British armed forces. And it was Hall who invited the celebrated American astronaut Neil Armstrong along for the adventure as its honorary president. Once at the cave, the team set up an electric generator in a base camp outside, and for 35 days they went down and in and then up and out of the cave, studying the geology and the biology inside the cave. With each trip, Armstrong and Hall kept going deeper and deeper into the underground cave system. And then they found something. What they found was a burial chamber. A human skeleton was sitting in it, and scientists have dated that skeleton's bones to 1500 BC. Were they getting closer to the legendary metallic library of the ages? The team persevered for several miles inside the tunnel system, but in the end, they were forced to turn back by flooded passages before finding the mythical metal library and the end of the tunnels. Hall was able to map 10 miles of the cave systems, but the belief is that they reached much further. They did make amazing discoveries and came to some important conclusions from their time inside. They discovered 400 species of new plants. That's not nothing. They and later studies determined that the right angle cuts and structures described by Morix were not artificially made by man or something else. Nature had done it. The nature of the stone inside, mostly a unique type of sandstone, breaks off at seemingly right angles, looking very much like carved stones or blocks. After leaving the caves, Neil Armstrong said that it was hard to compare his experience in the Tayos cave to the one he had on the moon. In both cases, he said, he felt he was going to totally unknown places, and that in both cases he learned many new things, and that in that way, they were both very similar. He said he was first to be up there, and that he wanted to be at least one of the first down there. And then not much else was made of the famous astronaut's time in the Cueva de los Tallos, or Tallos Cave. So if they didn't find any of these mythic metallic plates, did they ever really exist? Or did Juan Moris and the Shuar people make them up? Well, to answer that question, we really need to introduce two new, well, actually old, players to our roster of people connected to the Tallos Cave mystery. The first name to know is Petronio Jaramillo. Jaramillo said that he was in the Library of Metal Artifacts back in 1946, 20-some-odd years before Morix, using a map his uncle had given him. Jaramillo's uncle had earned the trust of the local Shuar indigenous community, and in appreciation, they took him to the library. Years after the 1976 expedition in 1991, Stanley Hall, who led the expedition with Armstrong, found Jaramillo after looking for him for years. Jaramillo told him that it was he 
who showed Juan Morix the entrance to the legendary metallic library, but that it wasn't in the Cueva de los Tallos, or Tallos Cave. He told Hall that he had been in a massive room of books and tablets, made of metal, and that in another room, everything in there was made of crystals. He also described a giant skeleton covered in gold in the middle of one room, and that Jaramillo left his initials on some of the metal tablets as evidence that he had been there. Hall and Jaramillo made a plan to mount a new, massive expedition. But in 1995, Peru and Ecuador went into an armed conflict. And then Hall and his family had to leave Ecuador in 1997 due to the political climate there. And then before he could show Hall anything, Petronio Jaramillo was murdered in 1998, in a supposed burglary attempt, and the location of the mythical metal library died with him. Stanley Hall reportedly published an estimated location of the library, but he too would die later in 2008 before he could find it. I said there were two names to add to our roster of important players. The first was Petronio Jaramillo. The second is Father Carlos Crespi, a Catholic monk and priest who spent 60 years as a missionary in Ecuador, mostly working in the town of Cuenca, near Tayos Cave. His work as an educator and his help to the poor and the indigenous people endeared him to the Shuar community. He had also been an early researcher of the cave, and he had filmed it many times. In appreciation for his kindness, and because they knew he collected indigenous artifacts and would pay for them, often at a loss, the Shuar people brought him carved stone figures, ceramics, jewels, ancient elongated human skulls, and mysteriously carved metallic plates and tablets. In all, thousands of ancient artifacts. The enigmatic metal pieces seemed to be very old with symbols, designs, and what looked to be a writing system or symbolic language embossed into them. Explorer Richard Wingate, who later wrote the book Atlantis in the Amazon, visited Father Crespi and filmed the encounter with the objects, calling Father Crespi's collection that the father showed him in a dusty old shed the most valuable archaeological treasure in the world. He showed treasures made of gold and silver that were seemingly of Assyrian, Egyptian, Chinese, and African in origin. How would they have gotten there? Many of those artifacts mysteriously disappeared from the basement of the church where Father Crespi worked after his death, notably everything made of gold or silver. Much of the collection evidently was sold to the Central Bank of Ecuador, where it's supposedly stored in their vaults, and many others are now in the possession of the Pumapungo Museum in Cuenca, where they've been studied over the years. Some of the metallic plates there have been outed as modern forgeries, as they contain lead. But some copper plates may be authentic and ancient. The jury is still out. One man who was part of the original 1976 expedition, an Argentinian cave specialist named Julio Goyen Aguado, had an opinion that seemingly comes straight out of left field. He says that the 1976 expedition Stan Hall and Neil Armstrong led was financed by, of all organizations, the Mormon Church. 
he said that the metallic plates Morix talked about were the legendary golden tablets the Mormons say the prophet Joseph Smith received from the angel Moroni. He said that Mormon legends point to information that they were hidden somewhere in the Andes Mountains, and that it was no coincidence that the province the Tayo's cave was in was called Morona, suspiciously similar to the name Moroni, the angel. Aguayo also thought that Stan himself was an agent of British intelligence, and that he was a member of that legendary group that is a lightning rod for conspiracy theorists, the Freemasons. It might also be interesting to know that Neil Armstrong himself was also, allegedly, a member of the Masons. Now, there were other rumors that the expedition didn't exactly come out empty-handed like they said. Stories from the Shuar people say that the expedition removed four enormous crates, with what no one would say, and that they refused to show the Shuar people their contents before they hoisted them up and out of the Cueva de los Tallos. The Shuar people at the time said they felt used and conned by the expedition, another instance of indigenous people being tricked by an outsider to steal their treasures. And of course, no official record of those four crates is known to exist. After the so-called failed 1976 expedition, fewer and fewer people became interested in the metal library in the Cueva de los Tallos. Still, some people have organized expeditions to explore the massive cave system. One of the most recent expeditions was in 2018 and was headed by Josh Gates, the host of the television show Expedition Unknown. Before going into the cave, Gates was able to see and test some of the metallic plates from Father Crespi's collection in the museum in Cuenca, Ecuador. Gates was also joined on the expedition by a very special guest. Eileen Hall, daughter of Scottish explorer Stan Hall, the scientist who went down with Neil Armstrong. Down inside the cave, they found the amazing carved arch Juan Mordix described back in the 60s. And after hundreds of twists and turns in very tight, dangerous spaces they literally had to crawl through, they reached the end of the map drawn by Eileen's father back in the 70s. But this time, they caught a break. A tunnel that was normally flooded and impassable wasn't, and they were able to go on further, further than anyone else in recent history. And there they found amazing structures and wonders, but no legendary metallic library left by an ancient or extraterrestrial civilization. Despite the various expeditions, still no one has found the metallic library of a lost civilization in the cave system known as the Cueva de los Tallos. Some people say it was stolen from the cave and sold on the antiquities black market. Others believe the metal library was taken out of the cave for safekeeping under the care of the Shuar people, in essence, making them ancient underground librarians. Others still say the contents of the library are hidden in a secret location or a cave near that site, ready to be unearthed by a future intrepid adventurer. When I first heard about this story, and also while I was researching it, I kept asking myself questions like, where are Father Crespi's metal plates? Are they hidden somewhere by the government? Did they end up in the black market? Or did they never really exist at all? And why did Petronio Jaramillo get left out of getting credit for finding 
the Cueva de los Tallos. And was his murder really a robbery gone wrong? But in the end, the question I asked myself the most was, why have I never heard this story about this cave system or the mysterious ancient underground metallic library? And then I answered my own question. In my mind, I heard myself say, Andrew, this is why you're doing the podcast, to bring the myths, legends, and mysteries of Latin America and to share them with the world. And there's so much more to explore, and I'd love for you to join me. Friends, thank you for listening to this episode on the Mysteries of Latin America podcast. If you're so inclined, share the link to the podcast on social media and make sure to subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and everywhere else we're broadcasting the program. I do appreciate you listening. I'm Andrew Colon. Adios. Thank you.